Welcome to the Connected Mom Podcast, where we have real conversations helping you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms, and more intentionally with your child. I'm Becky Harling, your host, and I have with me today my amazing co-host, Sarah Wildman. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Becky. It's awesome to be here. And you know, as we look at our lives and the lives of our friends, it feels like a lot of people go through really hard things. And, you know, our, your individual family is no exception. And so one of my favorite topics is hope, because I think that that is something that all of us cling to, whether it's right now or in the future. But I'm really excited about this topic today. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, just in the last several days, I think we've heard about quite a few in the body of Christ that are really struggling and the news has been fairly horrific, right? And so we do need that injection of hope. And today I have, we have one of my favorite people as our guests. So Michelle Cox is the author or has contributed or has written 32 books. I know I can't even wrap my head around that, but she has, she is absolutely delightful. You know, I could try to give you some type of professional bio for Michelle and I'll let her do that. But here's what I know about Michelle. She's gone through some hard things, but she's one of the most joy filled people I know. She has an amazing sense of humor. I, you know, Michelle and I were in a restaurant several years ago now, and Michelle had me laughing so hard, the tears were rolling down my face, and we were making such a ruckus that I thought we were both going to get kicked out of the restaurant. And <laughs> Michelle loves TJ Maxx and shopping for her new home. She loves her grandkids. She tends to be the kind of grandmother I am where whatever they ask for, you just kind of say, sure, baby, you know, grandma's here to make that happen. So welcome, <laughs> Michelle. And today we're talking about your newest book on hope. Welcome. Oh, so glad to be with you, Becky. And you're one of my special favorite people as well. And if we're ever going to get kicked out of a restaurant, you're the one I want to do it with. Amen. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and as you can tell from Michelle, she has this glorious Southern accent. You know, she, she makes this- I have an accent? You do a little bit there, girl. <laughs> okay. Just a little bit. A little. <laughs> okay, so Michelle, tell us the title of your new book. It's called Hope That Endures, 40 Devotions of Encouragement for Difficult Times. Yeah, mm. and you've never had any difficult times, have you? Nah, life has been so simple and easy and just, you know... All the all the pluses and none of the minuses. Yeah, God, you know, God's put us through some things. And I think for everyone, we're either going through a difficult time, we've just come out of one, or one will be in the future. And so I've been through a number of things with growing up with an abusive mom um, and not seeing her for 28 years, her choice. And um, my dad's suicide, my son's chronic illness that left him in terrible shape in the hospital on numerous occasions, losing part of my eyesight and my hearing. And um, 
60 bouts of the worst kind of a vertigo in about nine months. And I remember at about episode number 40, I said, God, if I'm supposed to be learning something from this, could you help me hurry up? Because I'm not liking this too much. But it's like I told a friend of mine, I don't regret any of them because all of them have made me the person that I am. And all of them have taught me to trust God more than I ever would in any other way. And I always love that verse in Job after he's been through all that he's been through, where he said, I've heard of you and I've seen you before, but now I know you. And it's through those difficult times that we really come to know the heart of God in a special way. That's right. So Michelle, it's one thing to go through those things and learn them, but what had you doing this in a book form? What inspired you to write the book? Well, I hang out a lot with my Facebook friends and we have a really close relationship. I love going to conferences or an event and people come running down the hall with their arms out. Michelle, and I'm going, I've never seen you before. And then it clicks. (laughs) It's one of my Facebook friends. But I had just been noticing day after day after day, so many posts about all the difficult things they were going through. Um, Moms who were at the later end of the parenting journey who were also having to care for their aging parents and just so many different circumstances, prodigal children, um, you know, discouragement. And it broke my heart. And I mean, I get lots of private emails from people that I don't even really know that say, I need somebody to pray for me. And Mm -hmm. so it was just breaking my heart. And I woke up one morning and God had put this image on my heart and mind. When I woke up, I saw in my mind a globe that had fallen off a table and broken into large pieces. And instead of the countries of the world, it was pictures of people who uh, were going through difficult circumstances, a bald-headed child um, undergoing cancer, a wedding photo torn in two, a man sitting at a desk with his head in his hands, and a pile of unpaid bills, a family huddled around a freshly turned graveside. And my first thought was, what do we do when our world's been rocked like that? Mm. We go to the rock of ages because that's the only hope when things are that bad in our life and we can cling to him and know that he'll be faithful because not once have I found a verse and I've read the Bible many times, but I have never found a verse that says, and then God failed me. We can trust him. He's tried and proven and he is a faithful God. Even when he's not on our timetable, we can still trust him. Mm-hmm. And I love that testimony, Michelle. And, you know, I have prayed for you so many times. And I so I know a bit about your journey. And I'm just thankful for such a resilient testimony. And so I, I'm thinking about the moms who are listening, you know, and I'm thinking some of them have lost a child, some of them have. Um, adopted kids, and they don't know what to do anymore, you know, because the attachment issues are there. Some of them 
are in financial bondage. And what do you say to moms? Because motherhood is such a long journey, right? It, I mean, it, it's a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint, right? And so uh, moms sometimes do lose hope. And what, what do you say to encourage them? You know, my husband and I both grew up in homes with an alcoholic parent. And neither of us had a clue what a normal home life was. And so when we got engaged, we came up with just a few goals that we were going to put God first in our marriage, that with his help, our kids would never go to, afraid, to bed afraid at night because of us. Mm, I love that. And, that. and that we were going to work hard on our marriage to make it last. And God's been gracious. It's 50 years this September, and he's still my best mm-hmm. friend. And our boys never went to bed afraid at night because of us. And only God could have done that. And so we we prayed when we learned that our first son was on the way. And we said, God, we don't know what to do. We don't have a clue what a good, healthy family is. Mm-hmm. And will you show us, will you bring people into our lives? And, and God did. And we watched people whose children were turning out well. And we went to them and said, what are you doing? How can you help us? Focus on the family was a great resource. Mm-hmm. And God was faithful every step of the way. And we have three sons and two of them are in ministry now. Our mm-hmm. other son teaches at Gulf Coast State College and he's very active in music ministry. And we have two young grandsons who at the age of eight and 10 surrendered their lives to preach the gospel. And they have already preached in numerous churches, in a nursing home, on the radio. I love times. that. They're eight and, and ten. And opened amazing doors for them. Yeah. And really sweet, quickly, our pastor has been such a wonderful mentor for them and has stu- taught them how he studies and goes to their house and prays with them. And he and his family have been praying for their oldest granddaughter to get saved. Well, our grandsons preached at Children's Church one Wednesday night, and three children got saved, and one of them was our pastor's granddaughter. Mm. And I loved that, that he invested in them, and the first payoff for that investment was his own granddaughter. I love wow. how God worked Yeah. That's so special. I love that story. Well, speaking of stories, Michelle, I'm sure that you share a lot of personal stories and hope that endures, but can you give us some context for how you found the other stories that you share in that book? Some of them were for friends that I knew had gone through very difficult circumstances and I'd walked alongside with them and prayed for them. But I posted one day on Facebook and I said, tell me about a time when your world was rocked. And I said, if, you know, if you're not comfortable posting here, send me a private message. And I was not prepared for what I got. Um, I heard from one lady who found her husband with pornography. They'd been married 40 years at the time. And she found out he had been doing it their entire marriage. But God healed that marriage. And their story was full of hope at the end. One mom who, um, got a call while she was walking through Walmart and it was a detective looking for her homeless son for three counts of murder. What do you do with that? Mm -hmm. You know, um, one, one lady whose husband had been murdered and she received a middle of the night phone call with that news. And before they could bury him, she found out she had an aggressive form of cancer. 
and story after story after story like that, that I was weeping throughout the day at just the pain. But what amazed me was that every last one of those stories ended with hope because all of these people trusted in Jesus and they clung to him and they proved that he is faithful in all our circumstances and they gave me hope. And I, I know I went back through the book after, after I got my first copy and I read through it. And I sat there and wept because mm-hmm. God used the stories to touch my heart. And there's something really special about this book, not because I wrote it, but because of what God sent to put on the pages there. My prayer is always, God, give me the words you want on each page. And I, I just... I feel like that's exactly what he's done with this one. And I told my publisher, I said, obviously, I want you to make money. But if I never make a cent off this book, this is my gift to God. Because Mm -hmm. I want people to know that there is a hope that endures. And that hope is found in Jesus. And it's accessible for all of us. And if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus... He gave his life for you, and all you have to do is accept him, and you can have that hope and that best friend in your life that you can go to when the world's upside down and and lying in pieces in front of you. I I think that this is such a pivotal hour in history, Michelle, for this book. I mean, with all that's going on around the world, with all that's going on in people's lives, one of the things that has inspired me about you is you use social media so well uh, to minister to people, not to do self-promotion, but to minister to people. And I, I love how you are able to use social media to actually listen for the needs of others. And so I, I kind of just want to give you a shout out there because I've watched you and, you know, you are really listening to people and you're available to them. And I, I think that that is so beautiful. So in your writing of this book, what surprised you the most? You know, I think it, I think it's that these people who had come through all of these horrible circumstances, like my friend Rachel Dunn, who she and her husband had just spent five years meticulously remodeling their arts and crafts home and had just finished. And then the house caught on fire and they and their teenage son stood there and watched everything they owned in the world burn up and were left literally with the clothes on their back. Mm. But the hope that came out of all these stories, because that night her husband Mike posted on social media, thanking God for his goodness and his Mm. mercy and his love and thanking him for the family and friends who had been there with them that day and were caring for them and praying for them. And I thought, that's grace. That's God's mercy right there. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, how would I respond to a horrible circumstance in my own life? And we don't need that grace until that time comes. But I promise you, from experience, you know, I remember so well the call about my dad's suicide. And it, it broke me, you know, that he was so sad that he would do that to himself. But I remember that grace that came in. I remember the friends who had walked in shoes of having lost a loved one to suicide who came and one just wrapped her arms around me and another one 
hugged me and he said, the sun's going to shine again. Mm-hmm. And there's that hope that we have. And, you know, that's something that we can do as individuals. You know, sometimes as moms, we think, how can I find time to serve God? Because we're so busy in the day to day. But those sweet moments of prayer for someone who needs it, making a meal to take to someone, all of those are things that can be extensions of God's hands that will comfort someone, that will give them additional hope that I'm not going through this alone, that I have God and I have someone else who cares about me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's so encouraging to to read stories about people who have been through those hard times like you've described, Michelle, and and see God's faithfulness. I mean, we need that. And so just telling those stories alone, I think, is showing the hope that we have through Jesus. Do you have a favorite story that you put in the book? I, I know they're it's all... It's like having favorite children. You know, <laughs> they're all my favorites. And, yeah. And, and I had one in mind that I was going to share with you, and God just changed that in my heart here as we're sitting okay. here. And I I have a feeling that maybe out there somewhere are some moms who have a prodigal child. Mm. And it's a difficult, horrible thing to walk through. I haven't walked that road, but I have friends who have. And we've prayed Mm. with them for their son. And I posted on Facebook back in December and just said, if you have a child who's away from God, message me. And I had 35 people to pray for that night. And it broke my heart that so many families are going through that. And my husband and I usually go to Chick-fil-A on Wednesday nights before church with a couple from our church that we're friends with. And one Wednesday night we got there, they weren't able to come. And my husband went to get our food. I was sitting at the high top table on the side and I noticed a homeless man come in Hmm. and he walked into the line to get whatever he was going to get. And I watched people move away from him. Nobody Mm -hmm. spoke to him. Everybody just shifted as far away as they could get. And God broke my heart that day. And I sat in Chick-fil-A and I cried and could not stop the tears. I couldn't even Mm -hmm. tell my husband why I was crying so much when he got to the table because God let me see that man like he sees him. Mm. And I said, God, I can't even talk to him today. I can't quit crying. Will you help him to be there the next time? Well, the next Wednesday night, um, we went in with our friends, Chris and Becky. We sat down at a table and then walked that homeless man, that prodigal, and sat down at the table right next to us. Mm. And I started talking to him and I said, I noticed you in here last week and I just wanted you to know I've been praying for you. I said, what's your name? And he said, it's Mark. And I changed the name in the book, but um, I said, how did you end up in this shape? And he said, I made a lot of bad choices. And I said, can I ask you something? I said, did your mom and dad, did your grandparents pray for you? Did they take you to church? And he said, yeah, they did. And I thought those seeds of faith are in there. And so for the next six months, whenever we saw him, we talked to him, we'd buy him a meal. We had witnessed to him a little bit when his eyes were clear enough that we knew he understood. And about nine months in, my husband and I had gone to Chick-fil-A a a different night, and I saw Mark come in and sit across the restaurant. We were halfway through with our meal, and God said, go talk to him. And I went and talked to him, and I said, Mark, I might never see you again. And I said, do you know where you'll spend eternity? And he said, no, I don't. 
And I gave him the plan of salvation. And I said, would you be willing to pray that prayer with me? And he said, yes, I would. And he got up and he came over and he stood right beside me. And so sincerely, he prayed and accepted Jesus into his heart. Mm -hmm. The next week, we took him a New Testament and gave to him. And for four months after that, we never saw him again, even though we had seen him every week when we had been Mm -hmm. in Chick-fil-A. But that's what I want to say to some moms out there. Don't give up hope on your prodigal. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. never know when God's going to let somebody's heart be broken for your child who maybe will be able to share the gospel with them and maybe they'll come home and come home to Jesus and come home to you. So don't give up hope. There is a hope that endures and those seeds that were planted on fertile soil when you had those children at home someday will take root just like they did for that sweet homeless man that I've come to love so much. You know, Michelle, one of the things that I love about you is how um, easily the gospel just flows out of your heart and soul. And I, oh, no, 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 it doesn't. I have to fight to do that, but I know what you're saying, but I'm like, (laughs) I've had to really work to get over that. What will they think of me approaching somebody strange Mm -hmm. somewhere? But God has helped (laughs) me with that. Okay, so let's talk about that just a little bit. Uh, You know, okay, so for some moms that are, I mean, moms have many people around them, right? They've got their kids' friends at school, and they've got the moms at school. They've got moms at the gym. They've got moms maybe of other of their kids' sports teams. So how did you find the courage to share Jesus? Because I think a lot of our moms need to find the courage to begin doing that. You know, I worked on uh, the study guide for a book called The Prayer Factor for international evangelist Sammy Tippett. Okay. And I I cried when I read his dedication of the book because it said to Titus, who taught me to weep for souls. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading Sammy's book, there was a chapter where he was sitting in an airport watching the people go by. And he said, God, could you help me to see them like you see them? Mm. And wow, that changes our hearts. Instead of that mm. aggravating person that drives us nut, we see the the lady who's wounded and mm. so hungry for someone to care. And so that really did made such a huge impact on me. And, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And <laughs> oh, come on, you are. <laughs> I'm more like a sprung chicken. But a few years ago, I told God, I said, you know, I've got X number of years left and you know how many those are. I want to make them count. And someday when I stand before you, I want you to be able to look at me and say, wow, you used every scrap of the talents and gifts that I gave you. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me, what's been most effective is just to talk to people a little bit. And then as God opens the door to move in, um, had a lady, we were on a missions trip to New Mexico. My husband and I took a few days extra at the end of the trip, rented a car and drove all over the Midwest and went back to the Albuquerque to fly back home. 
And we were at a restaurant and they brought my husband's tea out and it looked like water. It was so weak. And the waitress came back by and she says, oh, I see your tea. I'll bring you some more. Well, lady got up from another table and she came over and she said, I'm so glad she said that. Um, mine's the same way. And I said, well, we'll send her over when she gets here. And she said, are you from around here? I guess my accent kind of gave me away. <laughs> and I said, you know, we've been out here on a missions trip. And she wanted to know a little bit about it. And she told me she had come from her first kidney dialysis treatment and mm. that her sister had died from that. And so we talked a few minutes more. Her food came. She went and sat down. Well, when she finished eating, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to go ask her if I can pray for her. Mm -hmm. And so I prayed for her, for her health. And I got through and I said, you know, I may probably never see you again. And I said, could I ask you, to need, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And she said, no, I, I think maybe I might. And I said, wow, that's too important a question to leave it to chance. And so we talked, and in the middle of a busy restaurant that day, I got to lead her to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, so if we'll be willing and faithful, which has kind of been the story of my life, because I've not brought anything to the table for anything I've ever done. I mean, when God called me to write, I had I had nothing. I was had no training. I'd never taken any college courses. I just said, God, I'm willing. And if you'll open doors, I'll have my running shoes on. And I'll be ready to run through them. And so if we'll be willing and say, God, will you put people in my path and give me the courage to open that door? Um, will you just give me the words to say, you know, and yes, sometimes you'll get somebody who will be brusque with you, but then sometimes you'll get somebody that you'll get to pray with before you leave them. And that's beyond precious. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That day when we got through, she said, I think this was more than just about a glass of tea. And I said, oh, I know it was. <laughs> I love that story. So, Michelle, it seems like you just have a easy way of getting people to share their hearts with you. And, you know, on this podcast, a lot of times we talk about connecting with fellow moms. And I'm sure you remember how difficult that can be when you have all those babies and you're you're trying to connect. So do you have any simple tips, mm. you know, putting yourself back in that spot of, of how you can be a good friend and listening to someone, especially when they have a difficult situation going you know, any tips you could offer our mamas listening? Oh, I had such wonderful friends who came beside me that were such an encouragement to me that taught me so much about motherhood. And so then as I was further along in the journey, it was such a joy for me to be able to pay that back. And God has mm -hmm. a sense of humor. I'm like the poster child for that because the first place I wrote for was for six of the publications that focus on the family. This huh. kid who grew up in a messed up home. And yet God had taught us so much. And so mm -hmm. I just, I want to remind moms that motherhood seems like such a long journey sometimes. I remember one day when things had been extra hectic, when I, I looked at my husband and said, whose idea was it to have children And when he came in the door? <laughs> and he laughed and said, yours. And I said, you should have put your foot down. But that was one of the rare moments. Um, 
But I want to remind moms that while it seems like a long journey, we really have just 18 summers. I wrote the book about that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And when we stop and think about that, that we have just 18 summers to enjoy these children, to instill the character and God's word in their hearts, it really brings it home. And one of the things I do when I speak is I take three mason jars filled with 18 stones in each of them. And or I take four and I, I before I speak, I speak to folks in the audience and kind of get some people that'll be good to call up. And I, I call up someone who has a child two years or under. I have one with about eight or nine, one with about 12 and one that's 16 or 17. And I say, this represents the 18 summers that God gave you. If your child is two, 12, whatever, take that many stones out. And I've never done it that they weren't crying by the time they got through pulling their stones out. And I turn to the one who has a 16 or 17 years old. And I say, I want you to look at this mom with the toddler and tell her how fast those years went by. And they usually choke that out. And they say, I blinked. And that's how fast it goes. God's given us these children for a season. We can't go back and rewind yesterday and do those moments over again. Make time. Be intentional about it. Um, Do the fun things. Spend those moments together. Those are the super glue that will hold your family together when your children are grown and out in their own homes. And um, instill those wonderful character traits from God's word in your children. Teach them the hymns of the faith that'll come back to their minds when they do need hope. Teach them God's word, but make every one of those seasons count for the Lord. And um, then when your children are grown and gone and have their own children and they start going through the situations that can no longer be fixed with a hug and, and a lollipop, They'll have that hope that endures, that's been tried and proven, that they've seen in their parents and in other people that they can cling to for the journey of their life. You know, Michelle, I I love um, how you can say that because you've also included so much fun in the journey, you know, so it wasn't like you smacked your kids over the head with the word of God, so to speak, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and you have really kept your connection strong with your adult kids and with your grandkids. And I, I realize we're almost out of time, but man, what would be something you would tell I mean, maybe we have some grandmothers listening. I don't know. But what would you tell grandmothers about staying connected with their grandkids? I can imagine not doing it. My grandkids are my life. For you moms, grandparenting, and you will live through momhood. You will live through the parenting years. When you get to grandparenting, it's all the joys of being a mom without the responsibility. And they think you're the most wonderful thing in the world, and you think they're the most wonderful thing in the world, and it's a great admiration society. Yes. But it's spending the time with them. It's letting them know they're special. It's doing the fun things with them. But what I love is that I'm also able in natural ways to weave Jesus into daily times with my grandchildren. And I remember one day in particular, I had my little grandson, Nolan, 
and he was, I think, three at the time. And we were riding down the road talking while I was driving, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I was having a deep spiritual conversation with my three-year-old grandson that he had mm. he had started. Mm. And I thought, what a blessing to talk about God and to see their little hearts so tender. And now mine range from 14 to the newborn twins that came just a little bit ago. And Twin the greatest... Run. Well, yeah, this is our second set of twins. So, um, but it there is no joy in this world like watching your children serve the Lord, and then to get to see your grandchildren serve the Lord and have tender hearts for Him, mm-hmm. and to have those fun moments with them. And you know, one day my my granddaughter Anna was typing on my computer. She loved to do that. And after she left, I went to put my computer up and I saw where she had written about me. And she said, Grandmama's my best friend. And I thought, I can't think of anything I'd rather be Mm. than a best friend to my grandchildren. Mm. And so it's time, it's love, it's spoiling them rotten on occasion Mm. and just letting them know that they are so important to you. And if if they have a ball game, we're there. Sometimes that's seven ball games a week. Um, And, you know, they know they are welcome here. Um, They spend the night, they come in, they go straight to the food, they leave a shopping list. And I love it. That's the way it should be. And I didn't have that. My husband didn't have that. And I'm so grateful that God was so faithful. I'm grateful for that hope that endured, that our family was able to break that chain and to leave some healthy generations for the future. And that was only God. That was not us. Yeah. And so, Michelle, man, our time is up and I just love you so much. Um, Where can our listeners get Hope That Endures? Oh, it's available christianbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of the usual online places. I'm sure my publisher gets a lot of books into gift shops, bookstores. So, any of those places. And unfortunately, my website was hacked recently. We're having to redo it completely, new name and everything. So if folks want to hang out with me, and I love hanging out with folks online, my Facebook is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, middle name Sauter, S-A-U-T-E-R, Cox, C-O-X. And come hang out with me. I have a lot of friends from all my different phases of life, from my days in politics, my Hardy's friends from where I did the devotion. Right, I forgot to say that you did that too. So if you're a a fan of When God Calls the Heart or when, when... Okay, what was when calls the heart when television calls series? The heart television. Oh yeah, I did, I did the devotional books when God yeah. calls the heart with Brian Aww. Burke, who's the executive producer of the show, and so I've got a lot of my Hardy's friends online, and so we hang out. They're dear friends. Some of them I've never met. Um, but they are dear, dear friends. And so I love hanging out with my buddies on Facebook. So look me up there. And if you're looking for my books, there are two Michelle Coxes. And so if you find the one that writes historical fiction, that's not me. So I do the <laughs> Christian inspiration devotionals, that kind of thing. So look me up. I'd love to get to be friends with you. 
So we'll put all of that in the show notes. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for the beauty of Michelle's life. Thank you for her deep, deep love for Jesus and how it just flows out of her heart. Thank you for her love for her kids, for her grandkids, for her husband. Lord, she has modeled love so well. And so we thank you for her. We pray blessing over her in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Connected Mom podcast. And we hope that you're going to join us again next week for another episode, another real conversation that is guaranteed to help you deepen your connection with God, deepen your connection with your friends, and deepen your connection with your kids. This is Becky signing off. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, all you moms out there, this is Becky Harling, and I love creating resources to help you connect more empathically with your child. One of those resources is a book that I wrote called How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. One of the greatest skills you can cultivate, really enhance that connection with your child is the skill of listening. So how well do you really listen? This book is loaded with practical ideas to get your kids talking and to help you as you listen. You can buy it wherever Christian books are sold. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else. So I hope you'll get a copy of the book and put the work into listening to your child.